Welcome to Running It Back, the Lessons Learned from Sports podcast. I'm Mike Palmer, joined by Tarlin Ray. Tarlin, welcome back to Running It Back. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. I've just been waiting for you to ask me that. So quick story. There was a couple of things you probably need in life as you're growing up in any school. Class on how to handle your personal finances. Like that's probably going to be, it's super important, but you never talk about it. And probably a class on nutrition. Mm. Now, growing up as an athlete, one of the things you never wanted to do was A, put your hands on your knees, make you look tired. Yeah. Want to be the last one to go for water. Mm. That'd be tough. Yeah. You just live in a permanent state of dehydration. Food and water are important. Let's put a pin in that. Yeah, Tom Brady, TB12, pliability, <laughs> Every, all of it. Fluids, it's all about hydration, <laughs> sleep, hyperbaric chambers, all that ba- stuff. Bathing in red wine. We'll talk treatment. about that later. Treatment. Yeah. I agree to go on a 44 mile road bike trip with my buddies. Yeah. I have ridden a road bike a total of seven times. Uh, took a five day trip in 2017. I survived about 30 miles a day. Survived. <laughs> Most recently, the LA Marathon. It's great yeah. to ride the marathon route. Right. And so did that, did the 20 plus miles at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. 44 miles. And no engine on the bike, right? This is yeah. not an e-bike. Okay. The expectation, wake up 6.30 in the morning, we're in, staying in a hotel, uh, there's four of us, is that we're going to have a hearty breakfast. I was going to have some oatmeal. Yeah. I was going to have egg whites, toast. I was going to fill up. That's your fuel. That's your fuel for the ride. Downstairs restaurants close. Doesn't open till eight. So we go to a coffee shop and I have a plain cinnamon raisin bagel, maybe a little almond butter. Okay. That's about it. Okay. Then we start riding. First first 18 miles, I feel fantastic. The beginning is a thousand foot of elevation. No problem. Switchbacks, doing it all. Yeah. But he even loses his phone, doesn't notice it. And I pick it up. Oh. I was going to hold on to it for the whole day and say, yeah, phone, but I get yeah. it. Back. You're gonna get you're gonna get like a medal, like when, at the award ceremony. Like you're doing really well out. Oh uh, yeah, it's yeah. the type of when you're riding with other guys. Yeah, you, you go in the front to break the wind. Yeah, they can ride behind you and they can switch. So you're you're carrying pace and you're keeping yeah. up. Just just to be clear, you go to the front and you break wind. Is that what you said? <laughs> That's exactly exactly right. You're on your toes today. So then we get to. 18, 18 and a half miles and stop just for a little break, have some, have some more coffee. Great. Yeah. So I have two cups of coffee and a cinnamon raisin bagel. The next 18 miles yeah. were the worst, most humbling athletic experience of my life. Of your life. And of you, my, you've, of been my humbled, life. you've been humbled in many different contexts. Of my hey, life. This is a statement. Yeah. Of my life. Yeah. I thought I had nothing. Mm. Legs wouldn't go. Yeah. I'm wondering why these guys are still, and granted, they ride all the time. Right. They have Zwift bikes that right. X. Their Zwift is like yeah. real Peloton, not Peloton, but they're it's like the, the real bike. ARs. It's like the second uh, life version of uh, Peloton. Yeah. But I think I talked to my trainer. I trained with him, body by Barry, trained with him twice a week. So you can do it. But I literally pushed out with my right leg, quad seizes, with my left leg, left calf cramping. Uh-oh. I was so far behind that at one point I tried to text them to say, go without me. Yeah. And I had no cell coverage. When I finally caught up to them, they said, wait, Tyler, do you have any food? I go, what do you mean? They had 
power bars, right. electrolyte water. They, right. they I had in, the, in my back, the shirt you wear, you have those back yeah. pockets. Yeah. I had my cell phone and wallet. Okay. You were going lean. Yeah. Yeah. So they started to feed me food. It helped a little. The yeah. next stop where they waited probably for 20 minutes. And yes, I did get passed in the middle, this random stretch by a six-year-old woman who yeah. was nice enough to say hi to me. Was just she getting passed? She was walking or she was on her bike? She was on a road bike. She <laughs> just whooped me. By the way, they, my friends will never bring it up again. At one point, get to the next stop and I say to them, Yeah. I'm going to lean against that tree right now. You guys just go ahead, have lunch and come back for me. And they're like, what are you talking about? They said, I was like the guy climbing Mount Everest who was just couldn't go anymore. It was yeah. going to lay down. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, exactly. I'm just going <laughs> to. So for the rest of the way, yeah. I just counted pedal strokes to a hundred. Oh my One, God. Two, yeah. don't get your leg, don't stand, you'll cramp. Yeah. Don't stretch, don't push your legs down, you'll cramp. And so yeah. what they told me at the end was, okay, Tarlin, and granted, we're guys. You don't yeah. share anything. Right. Like, Let me keep all the information to myself. Yeah. Yeah. 150. Don't take 150 calories in if you're going to expend 2,000. Right. Because your body's looking for fuel. Yeah. And when there's nothing there, you're going to crash. You got a text with the loop of 44 miles. I did. That was like my social, my Instagram moment. Like, look how great I am. But there's always a story. Behind that photo, yeah. Behind that smiling family that was yelling at each other. Now let's take a photo. There's yeah. a story behind that 44 miles, and that's yeah. why I named it "Tale of Two Halves." There you because go. The first half was fantastic, and I still have no idea what happened in the second. <laughs> Thank you and for the extra time. No, please. Thank you for that story. You're saying your caloric plus minus was really in the negatives. You took in, but you were given out more. Somebody who's plus minus on the court was was generally in the positives. <laughs> was one Scotty Pippen. Oh, look what you did there. See what I did there? <laughs> you did there. The topic of today's episode is Scotty Pippen as a representative of the NBA Top 75 and also as the author of Unguarded, which both of both Tarlin and I have read. This is not certainly not an endorsement of that book, but I would say if you read that book, you would perhaps enjoy this conversation more, but also we did it for you. So we're doing the nine hours of runtime of the audiobook, which can be adjusted through the powers of variable speed listening. We're pretty deeply enmeshed we got a lot of scotty pippen on the brain right now we're going to talk about him we're going to talk about supporting casts his take on the last dance which is our origin story to some extent here on running it back we started this podcast talking about the last dance this is now scotty's perspective on that which is interesting on a number of levels uh, but yeah talking scotty pippen talking nba all-time greats what are your opening thoughts you and i have to use air quotes as you said every time we use the word read audible is our friend mm -hmm. i only got up to 2x in yes. listening to the audio i think you said you got higher you need to talk about your experience but yeah. i could not have gotten through unguardable because i think that book is probably unreadable mm. but we needed to because the last edge is our, our origin story it's interesting that scotty pippen feels like he was not portrayed in the best light yeah. in the last stance. And so his response to a five-part documentary, it was must-watch TV during the yeah. pandemic. 
yeah. is to write a book. And we know no one reads. So he's taught him in the sun. He's doing a few interviews right now. And then it's going to fade to black. And the last dance live on as a phenomenal piece of entertainment, which at the end of the day, this is a story about fame. And Michael Jordan is by far one of the greatest basketball players of all time. If not the greatest. And not the greatest. And this is not this story. It's not, did we go to that? We did this before. We did we a did pod on that. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, if not the greatest, but one of the greatest entertainers and most famous people in the world. And so it's interesting to see Scotty release this book. Cause I definitely learned a lot more about someone who was dominant. You cannot say anything. One of the top 50 players all time on a top 75. Yeah. But he's never going to be famous. And so is this about the fact that he didn't have the same fame? Is this about the fact that people don't recognize that sports are more than a single person, that it's about the team? Yeah. He's screaming into the wind. Screaming into wind, especially in the, in a moment where we celebrate clickbait moments, we celebrate that TikTok, we celebrate the highlights. We have NFTs and other things. We're celebrating the highlight. We're not going to talk about show clips of Scotty Pippen guiding the defense and making that deflection. Yeah, and so it's interesting. Maybe he's just in the wrong time, but it's interesting that he's fighting for something that he already has, which is being considered one of the best players but he's never going to be famous. Well, he's never going to be Jordan. He's famous. He's at a level of fame. He's at a level of people are reading this book. He got a ghostwriter. This book got published. People care about what he's saying. And it feeds the, the hot take machine. He's taking some swings. Jackson's racist. It's clear Scotty's doing this to stay relevant, to keep the level of fame that he has, but he will never reach Jordan's transcendent level. And there is also the element of charisma where Michael was the star. Michael glowed on the court. It's like from the last dragon. He's got the glow. When you see Jordan on the court, it's hard to see anybody else. And it's easy to miss that guy next to him is also one of the 50 greatest players of all time. DVD rentals of the last dragon, just like not streaming DVD. Keep going. The last dragon. Get it at your last blockbuster. In Oregon. You won't be disappointed. Tiabat was the dude that. And uh, Vanity. Was it Vanity? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're talking about Scotty Pippen. What is it like to be part of the supporting cast when you're also good enough to potentially win on your own? It is interesting also that he includes the later part of his career where he's no longer on the Bulls. I actually had forgotten about a lot of those teams where... His narrative would have been really different had he won with Houston or with Portland. Or the year after Jordan retired. Correct. Yeah, exactly. In the, uh, the interregnum. He's, he is the king. You used the word supporting cast. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's best supporting actor. Oh, I guess. He's kind of like a Gene Hackman. He's doing it and it's virtuoso performance. But it's not, is he Sam Jackson in the Avengers? You need Nick Fury? Is he Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction? Oh. You know, is he contributing to the extent yes. that he's Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction? Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. Exactly. Okay. Because you use the word supporting cast. It, it's feels pejorative. 
Scotty used the words and and he used it in the, in a pejorative sense. He he did not like being called the supporting cast. He also was called Robin to Michael's Batman. He was the second banana. I was thinking we do need to do a banana boat show. <laughs> we we always and we always threaten that. We run it back <laughs> to the banana boat. But what's interesting is Michael and Scotty wouldn't have even been on the same banana. Like they were not that close. They didn't really run together. And it's so interesting that Scotty attributes a lot of this to the fact that he didn't play golf when like these slight overtures that Jordan might've made for him to be part of his inner circle. But I just don't think the two of them would ever really just flow as close yeah. friends. Yes. Let's break down the book. So no one has to read it from Hamburg youngest to 12. Yeah. He had unbelievably close family, tragic situation for his brother when he was young, hit in the back by a bully, paralyzed. So he spent part of his life with everyone else, taking out his brother, yeah. father, later stroke, wheelchair bound as well. Yeah. So family, super important. Scotty has that story where he didn't make the team early, the varsity team and claws his way it, uh, onto the team, got kicked off the team because he's acting as the manager for the football team and doesn't want to work out. You have this backstory to get yeah. Scotty to the point where he ends up in central Arkansas, 6'1", sprouts six inches yeah. over the summer and becomes the dominant player, stat stuffer that he is in the NBA. And by the way, throughout the book, it's really hard on a 2X listen to hear someone read off stats like you're listening to a box score. Yeah. But Scotty also is from a very small town, not someone to trust easily, mm -hmm. keeps to himself. And so you talk about charisma and you talk about that, that goes with, that's part of the fame. Jordan and team and others in the media crafted a narrative. It's nothing to have issue with Jordan. Fine. Why did he need to have in the last dance? in the 94 season to show that moment in time where Scottie Pippen refused to go check into the game against the Knicks when there were 1.8 seconds left. Yeah. Because Phil Jackson called the last shot for Tony Kukoc. Right. Do you need to do it? It's the narrative in between the two. I, yeah, I, I think championship. He, but I don't think at the end of the day, I watched clips of Jordan. I, I've read what he said about Scottie. Yeah. He said he could have never yeah. won mm -hmm. any of the championships without Scottie Pippen. There is no six-time NBA champion without Scottie Pippen. Who does he have issue with? Does he have issue with the fact that he's more of a quiet guy? Right. More, it's, what's the name of the book? Unguarded. He was guarded. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're unguarded. Yeah. Now you want everyone to flock to you. Right. So I'm separating two things. One is, come on. You had a ton of fame. You didn't get the contract that you wanted because you signed a contract for six years and $18 million because you're worried about your back. You right. had a bad back since you were in, uh, in college. Worried about so, your back, worried about your family. It's transformative. You, yeah. you made that decision. And on top of that, people of this generation believe, not top 50, that you're one of the best players of all time. Yeah. So what are we talking about? What, what's the point? I got some takes. I, I got a few takes on this. One is I think... It's important to hear different perspectives on history. And that's one of the lessons learned from here. And for me to get the level of depth from Scotty in his own words, with the help of a ghostwriter voiced by another voice actor at 3X in my learn holes to the point where I'm losing my balance because it's coming in so fast. 
I still think it's important to hear it in a different way. And if the only narrative of this period was the history is told by the winner, Michael Jordan paid $10 million to, to appear in the last dance, which is not, not, not a small chunk of change, which is then basically edited and directed by him to tell a story of him that is generally positive towards Jordan. Although I would give him credit where in each of these guys' cases, they don't come across as flawless by any stretch. Jordan, um, even, even though The Last Dance portrayed him positively in a lot of contexts, it still was sad in times. His level of celebrity was really a burden to him at times. And he's still dealing with things around gambling and, and drinking. And that's well noted. And it's something that he doesn't really hide. It's something that comes out as part of The Last Dance. And then in this, I think the almost Shakespearean jealousy that Scotty is voicing about Michael. I, I was thinking, could we run it all the way back to Amadeus and Solieri? Probably not, because to call Scotty Solieri is, is way off the mark. But I was trying. I was fishing. We just, we just lost a thousand we, we, subscribers. We, we gained classical music <laughs> and happening? sports. Classical music and sports. But I do think the relationship between a 1A and a 1, it, it did make me think a little bit about Durant and Westbrook. Like teams where you might have two of the top 50 or two of the top 75, they both might need the ball at the same time. It, what was great about Scotty was I think he's among the greatest teammates of all time mm -hmm. where he was good enough and dynamic enough with his skill set that he could adjust and respond to the moment and contribute in different ways, stat stuffing that you're talking about. But also when you're not tasked with being the alpha dog, which he clearly wasn't the alpha when Jordan was on the court, he had to play with a level of emotional intelligence to keep the team dynamics together. And I think a lot of that meant deferring. A lot of that meant him swallowing his voice and he might've had a tendency to be quiet to begin with. So I think the fact that now later in life, he wants to get his perspective out, even on, aside from the 1.8 seconds, like his perspective on the agonizing Charles Smith mm -hmm. situation from somebody who was contributing to one of the many blocks on Charles's feeble attempts to, to actually have the Knicks finally beat the Bulls. I thought that perspective was interesting. His perspective on Rodman, both as a player and then someone who came over to his team. I didn't realize how, how deep the Pete Myers narrative intertwined with Scotty, his attitude towards Tony Kukoc and Isaiah Thomas, Bill Beer. There was a lot of stuff in there. Even he was more positive towards Bird than I was expecting. There are places where he could have taken shots and he didn't. And it, again, if you do decide to ear read this book, I do recommend 3X because it breezes real fast. It's mildly uncomfortable. It's, it's a little bit disturbing how much information is going into your brain at a given point. And I was walking in Prospect Park while listening and I may have slipped. I may have fallen. I'm fine. But it was, just, fun. it was just too much stuff going into my head at one time. But I actually feel better for it. I feel like if all I knew was the last dance, because I can read this critically and I'm not, you're not going to read this and fall into Scotty's camp. You're going to read this and get a little more perspective out of it. In that sense, I think it was useful. I, I got a little something out of it. 
And I think there's some lessons for us to, to learn from all this. So I'm talking, I was hammering and I hate agreeing with you. So I was really focusing on the fame part and whether or not he's getting enough credit. Yeah. What I loved is we learned a little bit about one of probably the better leaders in sports mm -hmm. because you had an alpha in Jordan who was crushing people's souls. <laughs> and if you think about Scotty, if you believe him, and I do, because I still remember him the way he was on the court. Yeah. He was the one, you talked about EQ, mm -hmm. that knew how everyone was doing, knew where to get them the bowl, picked them up after Jordan probably crushed their soul. Yeah. And so that was a moment for us. If any of your children are playing sports, you're always trying to teach the fundamentals, work um, as a team. There's no I in team. And then some will, like Jordan will say, but there's an M and E. But I was really impressed. And I think it wasn't, he wasn't taking liberties with the role that he thinks he plays on every team. Mm -hmm. And it's a lesson in leadership. It reminded me a little bit, and they're two different people because Draymond is not one who is quiet. But it reminded me a little bit of the Wiggins moment mm -hmm. when Draymond being interviewed about Andrew Wiggins and his back stat status, Draymond was giving Wiggins space. But if you look at Draymond on the court, he is a more demonstrable, uh, he reminds me a lot of Pippen because he knows, he knows each and every one of those guys, what makes them tick, how to get on them, how to coach them. And so that to me, Scotty, stat stuffer, that was what impressed me more than anything else. Yeah. And so I took that away. Mm -hmm. What is being covered in the media, that's what I'm saying is a waste of time because yeah. you're trying to change a narrative that has already been written. Right. And that you were a part of not writing yourself in terms of how you put yourself out there, or how you're portrayed, whether or not you're surly in front of the media, are you more open? You can't control that piece who right. some will gravitate towards, who the media would anoint Baker Mayfield to have a thousand commercials when you're yes. a mediocre quarterback. You can't yeah. control that. But if you lean more on that side, that to me was super impressive. And I like him even more as a player. Yeah. And for me, taking a step back from Scotty, there is more the leadership lessons around how do you get a whole team together? Understanding that you'll have a Jordan who Doug Collins, he's not kind, he's taking a lot of swings at Doug Collins in here who catered too much to, from Scotty's perspective, catered too much to the star in Jordan and basically let Jordan roll right over him. Whereas Phil Jackson, who Scotty, despite the, the, the racism thing that he, he put out there and then pulled back. He's generally positive towards Phil in the book. And to me, it did remind me of Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn talks about how all of your employees, you, you want everybody to be, you know, the hero in their own tale. And it did feel like Phil Jackson, when he came in, was more of an example of a leader who could find a narrative for each of his players so that there wasn't you are, here's your narrative. You are part of the supporting cast for Michael. This is Michael's team and it's your job to make Michael look good. If that was the way the culture had developed around the Bulls, 
they wouldn't have won anything. Yep. Instead, they needed to develop a culture that said, Scotty, what we're going to need you to do is focus on your defense, continue to facilitate. Don't look at points exclusively, look at the other stats, which is why I think, you know, that is the psychology that comes out too, where he's talking about all these different uh, categories is because he was relevant in all of them. He could impact the game on all sides. He was a fantastic leader. He though, in taking a step back from his legacy, needs to own up to moments when he was not a leader. Yeah. That 1.8 seconds was the most selfish thing I've seen in sports. Mm -hmm. And if you truly are, you spent the whole book talking about being a team player, affecting the game, rebounds, assists, steals. He has unusually long arms like a pterodactyl. He can't get past Scotty. Wingspan, Jay Billis, drinking game next NBA draft. So if you believe in all that, why does it matter? Cause he, it's all back to fame Yeah, that he needs to get the guy to take the last shot. Mm -hmm. Mike Wilbon. And I listened to some of Jalen Rose, Mike Wilbon, Stephen Smith, Mike Greenberg, Wilbon said, I've been saying for at least 15 years, he's one of the most underrated all timers ever. Mm -hmm. And I agree with him for people who understand the game, they know that he's the guy. At one point in the book, Jordan said to Phil, that's the best all-around player we got on our team. Mm -hmm. And Pippen said to hear that from Jordan meant the world to him because that's what he wanted to be. He yeah. was that. Yeah. But then to quit on your team, when you have your down 2-0 because you're not going to get the last shot is ridiculous. Yeah. So he's a conflicted guy. Yeah. At his core, he's a team player, massive EQ. He, he was the glue across all those guys as Jordan was the alpha. Yeah. And we celebrate the Mark McGuire Sosa home runs. We celebrate who scores the most points in basketball. We celebrate the number of touchdowns you throw or touchdowns you catch. He was the guy. And so he's trapped potentially in a time where you got to get the spotlight. You're just craving the spotlight when you've already got everything that you've ever wanted. If you listen to your own words, mm -hmm. his own words celebrates team, but he just wants a little bit more and he's never going to have that same shine. So that's the piece. Like, yes, I learned a lot about Scotty at a time where we're day after a Kyle Rittenhouse verdict and yeah. we have yeah. vigilantes being able to go around the country. This is probably a frivolous topic, but for me, it's not because we're always looking for moments of leadership and who owns up to moment things that they did and who doesn't. For me, Scotty, it just cemented why he was so great because what he thought about, what he cared about is what provided a foundation for the Bulls, but also it was a moment to see where even with time, someone is not able to look at themselves. Um, in the mirror and truly reflect on mistakes. Yeah. They all make mistakes. And so that, that was where I probably started to up at the two X and started getting a little mad. Yeah. I would have liked to have heard a, a genuinely unguarded assessment of why it was hard to play with Michael, more just the psychology and more stories of what it was like in practice and practice 
practice. But that was stuff that I thought was interesting in the last dance, even when Jordan got into it with Steve Kerr. I would like to have heard Scotty's perspective on some of those aspects of Jordan and playing with him and how much he was, I guess, an enabler of the Jordan culture as much as anything. It you know it does remind me of the, the TED talk I saw years ago about the importance of the first follower. No matter how great you are, if you don't get that first person to follow you, you can't really become a leader because once that first person follows you, then others may follow yep. suit. Yep. And I, I think Scotty, to be as good as he was, to also be able to see that Jordan needed that level of support. Be the Gene Hackman. That's not knock Gene Hackman. He was a great character actor. Sam Jackson, say my name again. Say my name. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it, it does also speak to the top 75. For us to look at these stats and these careers individually in isolation of each other, it's somewhat telling if you think about that relative to other players. The foil to Jordan, in, to some extent in the 90s, was Patrick Ewing. If you look at his supporting cast, you know, there's no one even close to the top 75. Oakley, supporting cast in the club, he, he's a real one. He's number one. <laughs> but that's different. A supporting cast after the game, if you really got into it and you're meeting outside MSG, again, Oakley is go in that context. But... The players who Patrick was playing with, and also whether he could actually have the ball in his hands. What was interesting about Scotty and Michael is that their skill sets overlapped enough that they were somewhat interchangeable, particularly uh, defensively and then facilitating the ball. And to me, the level to which Scotty was able to defer and adapt is part of why the Bulls became so dominant, aside from. Jerry Krause, who you're on the record as perhaps calling him the GOAT, if, if I recall correctly. But I think there's a lot to be learned about that ability paired with playing with your head up to understand the skills of your other teammates and then adaptability to be able to fill gaps and contribute in ways that ultimately will result in a W. He does talk about his intangibles. I'm a big fan of intangibles. I'm thinking about someone today who unfortunately has been hurt the last two years and we hope comes back strong, mm -hmm. but the closest to Scotty different game is Clay Thompson. Yeah. And Clay and Steph, the splash brothers mm -hmm. came in the league, just dropping bombs on people. Steph is the Jordan of our year. Never seen anyone change the game. You walk it to the gym in the 90s, people are getting into the posts and, and trying to drive into the lane. You walk into the gym in the late 2010s and every single person is stopping past half court and trying to drop a three. Yeah. That's the Steph effect. We've talked about it, but it's Clay Thompson too. Yeah. And Clay Thompson, a two-way player. You don't win those championships without Clay Thompson, and Steph knows it. Yeah. Clay Thompson gifted the number 77 because there actually is a tie. So there's top 76 by his teammates because Clay thinks he should be on the top 75. Yeah. Many of us all do as well. Mm -hmm. The Clay and Steph have a different relationship where Clay is quiet. You never know what Clay's doing. Sometimes you think Clay's head is in the clouds. Yeah. But Clay's comfortable with 
who he is, mm -hmm. where he contributes, and he probably pl doesn't play as outsized a role as Scotty did because Draymond play plays some of it. So he's probably yeah. half. Yeah, he's half Dray. He's got a Draymond be able to play some of that glue. But yeah. I just think of that's the closest to a Scotty. So that's the one A. Yeah, and is he getting the credit that he deserves? Mm. Maybe not. Definitely not with the top 75. Yeah. But the you watch that relationship with that team and it has no effect. Yeah. Like they are, can't wait for Clay to come back. Steph will be the first one to defer. Mm -hmm. It's looking for his road dog again. But listen, we're never in the locker room. As you said, I would love to learn more about the battles in practice. Yeah. A little more of that psyche so that you can understand why Pippen felt that way. But having dynamic duos. As I live through the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq, which is yeah. two alphas working together, it's more interesting to see people that are have different personalities and how the that the two together one plus one equals three versus and Scotty and Jordan together one plus one equals four. I hope this fades to black. You got your book out there. Yeah, you're a top seventy five player. You believe that LeBron is better than Jordan, and we know why because you right. believe in an all around game. You don't believe in just scoring and we're good. Right. Yeah. I, I knew you were going Clay Thompson there. What's interesting there is that Steph's not much of a defensive player, whereas Jordan was. Yeah. I think what was really interesting about Jordan and Pippen is how much their Venn diagram overlapped. Yep. You know, how much they really had similar skills and then the way they had to adjust to focus on their complementary skills. And it was almost like Jordan's skills were focused on first and then Scotty rounded it out from there, which is why their competition around steals was really interesting yep. as well. Just try to figure out how do they adjust? How do they figure out who gets credit even on something uh, as obscure as, as steals, which is Jordan's famous competitive nature. Where I wanted to go with this though, was I've always had this conversation with my, my hoop buddies over the years is if there were five of me on the court versus five of you on the court, what would happen. What's interesting about Pippen and Jordan, both those squads would be really difficult to compete against, no matter who else you're putting out on the court. And that is partly an HR insight. You do have these five tool athletes who can adjust and complement each other. Then it's more about chemistry. All you're hitting on is can. Yeah. It's uh, rare to have that five tool player. You love to recognize it and have it at work as well. Yeah. Can versus will. Hmm. Because if someone perceives that if they do that, play a complimentary role somewhere, take a step back, fill a gap, will they not get the shot? Will they settle? Which he, it was his choice for a six year, $18 million contract where years later he's making less than Stacey King, a yeah. recent draft pick. So uh, the will is what's hard. You can't bet on the will. You can't bet on being able to explain to someone, I'm now cycling into a work environment that this will be best for the org and I will we understand you taking this on that we'll look out for you. Right. That takes a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of belief that 
it's not just all about you, whether it's the organization, the Reinsdorf's, the Krauses, and Pippin built up that organization that everyone's against me. Yeah. While he has a statue in the arena and only one of four jerseys that have been retired. Yeah. Think about that now in the work environment where at will employees, you're the five tool. And should I give that tools four and five or should I stay in my lane? Because what are you doing for me? You're already giving, you're paying me, but why should I go above and beyond? I, I just went immediately into can versus will. Yeah. And then that goes into leadership, that goes into trust and whether or not you have integrity of the people you're working with. Because if you force someone, force, I'm using air quotes, I need you to play that five tool role right now. It only will work if you recognize that later. Because right. at some point, then that five tools say, I'm good. I'm going to take my tools elsewhere. Right. And that's what Scotty did. Right. It's also how much is your work culture a star culture and how much of it is more about building that winning team. And there needs to be a little bit of both. Even in this context, if Scotty, consummate teammate that he is, wasn't about Scotty at the end of the day, which he clearly was, he wouldn't have been as good a player. He wouldn't have been able to get the the bowls to elevate to that level. Just an interesting tension there, darling, between allowing people to be the hero in their own tail while still trying to keep it cohering enough so that you're able to perform optimally as a team. Lots of analogies to professional life and anytime humans get together in groups. That's why we should stay apart. Final thoughts? Please, and this is a commercial for Audible. If you don't have time to read, I know it's hard to pick up a book. Highly recommend Audible. I use it on long walks. I just yeah. read the book. Think again by Adam Grant. I yeah. think it's a great read to help you think about life in a different way and approach opportunities, with different perspectives. So mm-hmm. Audible, shout out. You're always a friend of the show. Yeah. We're generally pro ear reading. You know, in essence, you're ear reading this right now. Thank you for listening. Tarlin, thank you as always for contributing. Scotty, thank you for putting your words out there. We'd love to hear you. I'll see if I can find some of Scotty's deep voice to help take us out the show because he could have been a soul DJ. He had many different directions his life could have taken. Tarlin, always wonderful to have you for running it back. Thanks again for joining. Thank you. And to our listeners, keep listening, spread the word. We got some interesting stuff coming up on the horizon. We'll be talking more about that in, in upcoming episodes. Lessons learned from sports, always looking for them. Thank you for listening. This is Running It Back. I thought it was a great documentary. I felt like the documentary only told a story that sort of glorified him as a player and not glorified us as a team.